Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And what El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Crowd full Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big clap mate, so... Gather round villains, and welcome to the latest instalment of Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. This episode we'll rake over the fallout from the defeat at Newcastle, before looking ahead to Watford at home this Saturday as we question what Steven Gerrard has to do to steady the ship so early in his reign. I'm Andy, and today we've got a bit of squad rotation and replacing Craig this week. It's Dan. Welcome back. Thanks, mate. Hello, listener. Um, Squad rotation, I feel like the cup goalkeeper, uh, the dodgy man who's been brought off the bench. Clearly, Craig didn't (laughs) fancy picking the bones out the Newcastle results, so I've been, been called up at the last minute to do it on my own. I imagine Craig is 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 pretty fuming about the whole situation. To be, I'm fair. quite glad he's um, not on. I'm not sure we'd have had you know the two hour runtime that we'd need for him to pick it <laughs> apart. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, hopefully next week we'll have we'll have something more positive to talk about. But um, no, hello to Craig if you if you're listening. Hope you're okay. Um, I just want to ask you first, you, your, your, your return to Villa Park last week against Leeds, um, we didn't get to, uh, to talk to you about it on the podcast last week, how was it? Uh, it was a cracking, cracking night out, I mean the game was wonderful, the company was even better, um, <laughs> lucky enough to share a few drinks with you before the game and catch up with a few of your mates and honestly you forget just the simple things how much fun it is just to go to Villa Park and walk up to the ground and just being a cracking game to be there at too and I just had a whale of a time and I'll be back there again soon maybe next time I'll uh, I'll arrive at the pub a little bit later before the match though so well no I don't think I, th- I think I think you timed it about right I think it was it was <laughs> it was spot on um no but it was great great to meet you as well finally in person so uh, so all good um but since then, obviously, um, we had we had Sunday's debacle. Um, it's been said that that it was the worst performance, possibly, of the Steven Gerrard era to date, uh, as Villa fell to a one nil defeat to a rejuvenated Newcastle United. Despite talk of rotation, there was there was only one enforced change to the starting eleven as Callum Chambers replaced the suspended Esri Konza, with Emi Buendia apparently overcoming his fitness issue. Uh, to start. This seemed like a surprise given Gerard's hints that they might have been, um, they might have had, had a look at a few things after a frantic, uh, the frantic Leeds performance um, just a few days before. It begs the question really, are, are the perceived options in the squad um, actual genuine options at this stage or are we back to this situation of not really being able to change the first eleven? 
Yeah, it's kind of concerning. I, you know, one of the one of the criticisms that was leveled at Dino all the time is he had his his set eleven and wouldn't really deviate from it. And and we thought with Gerard coming in, we'd have a, a manager who'd chop and change it and and pick horses for courses. But he's rarely juggled the team about since he's been in. I mean, apart from the arrival at Coutinho and, and Luca Dean, like it's been the same starting eleven and. And yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen a few changes after the Leeds game because, you know, as fun as the match was, we looked wide open at the back. Um, but I, I was looking through the squad and I think all of our options are in the wrong places. We, we're overloaded with attacking midfielders, overloaded with central midfielders who are better going forwards than they are defending. And we don't really have the players to address the biggest weakness in the squad, which is conceding goals at, at a rate of not. So... I mean, there's the one in force change, and I know Callum Chambers had a decent game, but but even that worried me because if there's ever a match to bring Courtney Halls, it's against Chris Wood, and it was crying out to have him in the squad, and I, and I think Chris Wood rattled Chambers' early doors and maybe led to the goal, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a weird one. I mean, I suspect we'll have a litany of changes ahead of the next match, or it better be after that performance, but but yeah, I was surprised to not see him wield the axe on a few more players. What about you, Andy? Yeah, I think I, I was. I mean, when I saw the team sheet, obviously surprised um, to see Buendia in. Um, but again, like you, you, you look at it, and, and who are the options? I mean, mm. I suppose he could have, he could have, he could have started um, Chukwemeka. Um, that's that was a, that would have been a definite option for him. And of course, Ashley Young, who's who's never let him down really. So, um, and he might have been useful in in that in that. Scenario just needing that little bit of experience and composure, maybe um, bit of leadership. Um, but this is the problem. It's kind of even though there are options, you know, it's it's how you it's how you do it. I mean, the only real option in the midfield is is Sanson at the moment, mm-hmm. and you know, none of us are really. Sh- I mean, apparently he's he's a very good player, but he's yet to show it in in a Villa shirt. Um, and would you would you leave someone like McGinn out or even Douglas Louise out to accommodate someone like him? So um it's 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 difficult to know, even though like you say, we've we seem to have all these options. Um it feels like they're not really options for starting, but they're good options off the bench, you know, when you you look at guys like obviously like Leon Bailey and Danny Ings and 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 potentially Bertrand Troyore going forward, you know they're they they're good options to to change a game if you know if if you need or to chase a game, but they're not necessarily starting options ahead of the guys that we've we've got, you know, because I, I, I don't know even though Leon Bailey's you know potentially a huge player for us, does he get in ahead of any of those mm. front three players? And 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 it's 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 um. It's a tricky one, really. So I was a bit surprised. I was a bit disappointed, really, because I, I, as you know, I like to see regular rotation and, you know, two or three at each game, really. I like to see, I like to see that kind of thing happening. Um, we never had that really under Smith. Um, but, you know, obviously Gerard doesn't feel, he feels that he's already perhaps got his, his settled side to, to some degree and he doesn't feel 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 
like he can change it. So it's, it's a bit of a That's worry. That's worrying though, isn't it? I mean, for me, it's worrying whenever a manager has a settled side. Like I know there's, there's strengths to having players who know how to play with each other. But I mean, you mentioned him there. It felt like a game that was crying out for Morgan Samson. It was, we just could not play the ball through the lines. We could not pass it out defence, get it through the midfield. And he's the kind of player that you think could maybe help us with that. I mean, much as Ramsey is great going forwards, getting us the goals, he's not that same kind of calm playmaker. And McGinn has been off and on all season. And, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him dropped either. But it felt like a game where maybe Samson could, could do a job for us in there. And, and I do understand the reluctance to drop players when they're in form, but I mean, McGinn doesn't feel like he's in form for me, and and he'd be the obvious name to drop out for a ball player like Samson. And of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We can all we can all manage the game after it's happened, but it does worry me that Gerard doesn't seem to want to mix things up. I mean, he says he's going to now, but shouldn't take a performance like that for you to to kind of make the changes. Yeah, I think I think that's it. I think. You need that that constant bit of rotation, really, to to you know. But also the fact that that, that obviously we've we're still in the same boat in terms of the fullbacks. And I know I kind of um, you know went off on one a bit about target. <laughs> um, you don't like fullbacks, Andy. That's no, the problem. <laughs> no, but I, I suppose even just to be able to have the the option of of Kessler Hayden maybe um, on the right hand side because. I mean, Matt Cash. He was making good progress down the right, but he's he's. He, you just don't trust him to to be able to deliver anything like um, the quality that's needed, really. So, you know, it'd be nice to be able to sit a few players out for a couple of weeks here and there, and you know, not writing players off, not dropping players, but just rotating them round and keeping them fresh and keeping them on their toes a little bit, really. But. You know, it was, it, it was it was a pretty low quality first half um, with with neither team looking especially dangerous, um, and and both teams lacking a bit of energy. Although Newcastle were clearly feeding off the the, the loud backing of their home crowd, um, it was on then on on thirty five minutes, um, a somewhat rash challenge by Chambers um, that was initially given as a penalty before VAR switched it to a free kick um, on the edge of the box. But in true Villa fashion, it made absolutely no difference to the outcome as Trippier's shot deflected off Buendia and beat Martinez down the middle of his goal. Um, first of all, pick the bones out of this one. First the foul by Chambers and then the wall and, of course, the goalkeeping as well. Do I have to? I mean, I'm not sure I want to relive it. I mean, firstly, the foul, and I mentioned it earlier there, we were rattled for the first 20, 30 minutes. Newcastle came at us. It, it was loud inside St. James's Park. And I mean, anyone who'd watched the Everton game where, where they kind of turned Lampard's team over should have known they'd be pressing us high, they'd be coming after us, they'd be riding the emotion. And Gerard must have known that. He must have prepared the players for that. So either they couldn't handle the occasion or communication broke down somewhere. And I think... The foul is a direct result of that. Chambers looked panicked and he put in a stupid tackle that could have easily been a penalty were it not for a few inches. And it was as good as a penalty in the end. But, I mean, the thing you can look at and, and criticise is is the setup from the free kick that you alluded to there. There was, you know, obviously there's a deflection which puts a huge caveat in it. But when the ball goes in in the middle of the goal, it's never a good look for anyone. And, and sure enough, the pictures circulated on social media as happens where you see what was wrong with it. I mean... 
there was one shot where you can see two of the players in the four-man wall are standing outside the goalposts, which God knows what they're blocking there, apart from the line of sight from anyone in the stands, but, but that's not where you want them. You don't, I'm not a big fan of the draft excluder kind of lying behind the wall too. I know why they're there, but it feels like more of a distraction than actually saving a goal. And then Buendia's positioning wasn't all that much. But the, the main culprit here, and I hate to say it, is Martinez in goal. It's his job to get the setup right in front of him. It's, it's his job to get his positioning right, which was a little bit iffy here too. And sadly, he didn't get it right on this occasion. In fact, he got it pretty wrong. And, and you know, good goalkeepers don't just make the saves, don't just communicate. They know where to put their players from set pieces. It's such an important part of the game. And and we have a set-pieces coach who can help with it, but unless you're going to roll him on NFL style and get him to line the players up himself or, or put it on a wall, uh, chalkboard for him, then it's up to Martinez, and he got it all wrong on this occasion. And again, maybe that was the atmosphere. It was pretty raucous inside St. James's Park, and and I think a lot of people were flustered, and you don't see free kicks from that area very often, and we won't concede another one from there this season. It's an, odd, an oddity, really. But we looked absolutely rattled by it. It almost reminded me of the old days of the pass-back rule where you'd have the one inside the area with like a 10-man wall running <laughs> off the line. And it was just as chaotic as that was. And so, it's, I mean, yeah, it's it's a bit of a freak, but, but Martinez should have set this up better. We shouldn't have conceded the foul. And what worries me more than anything is it it's a little bit more of that lax defending, that carelessness that we've seen from Villa all season, which is a world away from what we enjoyed last year. The one thing I'd say about Chambers um, and the, the the foul, giving away the foul, is that I don't mind sometimes seeing seeing a player um, showing a bit of a bit of intention. It's probably not the best place to do it, um, but I have no no problem with the with, with the passion and the intent there. Um, you know he's trying to he's trying to get something going. He's trying to get the blood pumping a little bit, and I think I think that's that's fine. Although it's you know, but in in many ways it should be quite straightforward to defend a free kick from mm-hmm. that. It looks really dangerous when they're lining it up. You think, well, he's bound to score from here, but it's so hard if a, if a wall's set up right. It's so hard for him to get that up and down. And you mentioned the draft excluder. Why does the wall need to jump from there? Yeah. You know, it's yeah, yeah. it's it's actually um, it's actually pointless. It shouldn't it shouldn't matter. And they, of course, it, it, the ball just went straight through anyway. So it's 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 it all it, it was all a, it was all a bit of a mess, and it was all a bit half hearted, and um, you know, classic kind of what we've seen from Villa this season. You know, that you know, the, it reminded me a little bit of the Wolves winner um a few months ago you know that free kick on the edge of the box and it bounced off one of our players and went in you know just you know no conviction you know go and just just stand in the way of it stop you know that Wendia kind of turned to the side didn't he and stuck his knee up and you know I'm sure he he was he had good intentions but just stand stand and take it on the chest and um yeah it just it just looked weak to me, it looked weak. If if Trippier runs up and clips it in the top corner from there, you just hold yeah. your hands up and say fair play, you know. But- oh yeah, if it's a beaut and he lifts it up and he's got the curl and the dip on it, fair play, great free kick. And I think that's the annoying thing. It just wasn't a good free kick, even if it doesn't get the deflection. It's not a good free kick. It's yeah. 
I, I think it's, details matter when it comes to defending, right? It's kind of it's those little things, the right positioning, the right step to catch someone offside, the right players in the right positions from a set piece. And and last year we seem to have those details in place. This year they they've and this is an example of it. It's the basics that we're getting wrong. And you mentioned the Wolves game, another prime example of getting the basics wrong. And and we've seen it all too often this year. And I've said before on the pod, it's easy to point to John Terry going as, as that being the reason why. But at this point, it's not a coincidence, surely, that, that we seem to have lost that, that attention to detail that you need as a defence to keep clean sheets at this level. But Maybe I'm just being reductive, but it does feel like we've lost lost those basics and we're worrying too much about this fluid 4-3-3 Christmas tree and forgetting to just lump the ball into touch occasionally and, and stick your big men in the wall. But Yeah, yeah, I think I think there, there there's something going on and, you know, obviously the reasons, the whys and wherefores of it are, are, are difficult to know for, for us on the outside. We can only speculate. Um, John Terry may have been important in that um you know but we go back to you know to to Austin McPhee who's who's obviously still there um you know the free kick guru the set piece guru who um presumably that kind of thing falls into his his remit you know and um we don't know do we we don't know what how you know who's who's in charge of these things and or if anyone is really it's it's just um it just feels um very haphazard um but like with a lot of villas play and it it's something that i think you know i pointed out after the brentford game it's just all a bit too um too mild and too it's it's all a bit soggy you know and yeah. and, and actually you know they need to, you know they need to firm things up a bit. They need to be a bit more proactive and a bit more. Um, they need to take the game a little bit more to the opposition because there's some nice play and undoubtedly they play some good football. They score some good goals, um, and for the most part they defend very well. It's just these these moments in games which which are which are really really costing us. And we are being, I always say we. we Whenever we make a mistake, whenever there is an error, we get the maximum punishment, you know, and it's uh, it's it's a little bit depressing, isn't it? It speaks to something psychological for me. You can get in all the set-piece coaches, all the new managers, but there's something wrong in the psyche of the players. And you see it with Leicester as a prime example. Every time the ball goes out for a corner, they think they're going to concede. The crowd think they're going to concede, and they do end up conceding. And seems to be the same to a lesser degree with Villa at the moment is... They just kind of don't trust the system or don't trust each other. Whereas last year it was just, we're going to keep a clean sheet. And I was confident going into the last 10 minutes of a game, never going to concede a goal here. This year it's something's got in the minds of the players and, and they just don't have that same resilience. So I don't know, let's let's get rid of McPhee and get in a psychologist or something. Maybe that's the answer, <laughs> who knows? Well, I think I think they'll, certainly in the summer, I can see them trimming down the... Um, the, the, the coaches because they've got they've got about nine haven't they who are who are who are sort of around the the technical area on match days and it's um we've gone from having kind of three or four um with Dino to to all these all these coaches and and, and um it doesn't seem to be helping uh, let's just say so uh <laughs> but the 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 second half um, I thought anyway was was slightly better. I thought Villa got on the ball a little bit more and, and were making more inroads 
sort of towards the Newcastle back line. Um, and as, as it's so often so often the case, really, it's the, it's the final ball which is missing um, for Villa um, with with Coutinho, who I thought had a good second half, um, but they were all kind of unable to deliver. Really, um, Villa thought they had equalised, however. Um, when a Coutinho shot deflected towards Watkins, who directed his header into the net, only for um, VAR to to adjudge that he he was a frog hair offside. Um, it was a bit of blow for for Watkins, who had uh, another kind of under par, under par performance. He's had a he's had a, a bit of a wretched run of form of late um, at the the point of Villa's attack. Um, it was largely expected before the game that Danny Ings would re- replace Watkins for this one. However, it seems you know Gerard is prepared to give him time to play himself back into form. Um, the Ings-Watkins debate will undoubtedly continue. Um, but where do you think Gerard is with with this selection? Um, and have we been a bit hasty, maybe allowing Cameron Archer out on loan as he's currently ripping it up at Preston? Yeah, first I'm going to stand up a little bit for, for Ollie Watkins. I know you're not criticising him, but he has come in for for stick from Villa fans because he's not getting goals or assists. But I think you go back to the Leeds game, he was directly involved in two of those goals. It's his dummy runs that created the space for Jacob Ramsey to get through and score. And it's it's easy to forget sometimes as a fan that strikers aren't just there to score, they're there to, to move and to move the opposition defence around. And I think that's why Gerard is persisting with Ollie Watkins because his movement is that much better off the ball than Danny Ings. Like we know Danny Ings is a great finisher. He's a great professional, but he doesn't have that same off the ball movement that Watkins has where Watkins can, can push a defensive line back and drag players around. So, so I understand why, why Watkins is, is still being chosen there, although I don't think he will be next week. Um, But what worries me more is you could have put, Watkins, Ings, Archer. I think the only striker who would have made a difference was Keenan Davis because we were lumping it long and it wasn't sticking. And that, to me, speaks about a fundamental problem in the way we're setting it up. I mean, if if you can't play the ball through the lines, then it doesn't matter who we've got up front in this system. They're not going to look good. And I think that's the problem we've got at the moment. We'll, We'll bring Ings in at the weekend and maybe it'll be a bit better. But if we don't fix those issues, like how we're playing it out from the back, how we're pushing it through midfield, then whichever striker we put in this team is going to look ordinary. And it's easy to jump on individuals. And and some of the fan base has done that this week and, and others have been pointing to the system. But I think... I think the problem we have at the moment is it's just not working for whatever reason. So we can bring in Ings. We could get Archer back. And, and I'm with you, Andy. I think it's it's bizarre he's gone out on loan when he's done nothing wrong this year. He's, he's probably our most informed striker. But there's bigger issues at play here than which striker we choose. And it's that they're just not getting the chances. I think, like, you know, it's not like Watkins is, is missing clear-cut chances. He's he's not really had a sniff of them in the last few games that I've seen and and gets done by VAR again, which we won't go into, but is the most horrifying thing about modern football, apart from another one that we'll come on to later. But it's just it's just a farce on top of a farce now. And, and so, yeah, poor Riley, I feel for him, but whoever we bring in, unless we're going to play it long to Davis, it's not going to make a difference at this stage. I, th- I think I do think we have to make it clear that you know well I, I want to make it clear that in terms of my thoughts on Ollie Watkins is that um, I think he's got plenty of credit in the bank. Oh yes, yeah. still um, 
there's absolutely no question um, in my mind that um, I want him out or I want him, I'd want him to leave or, be, or even be dropped. You know, I just feel that maybe when a player is struggling a little bit, take them out of the firing line a bit and work on that, get their confidence back back up a little bit, give them some minutes off the bench so they can come on and 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 potentially make a bit of a difference and get their get their touch going again. Um it's been kind of a really stop start season season for Watkins. Um personally, I mean a lot's been said about the fact he's 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 had a had a child that's his personal business. I don't uh, think we need to comment too much on, on that. For me, from a football perspective, I, I think the big two things that have, 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 have put him off his stride is um, Ing signing, you know, putting him under a bit of pressure maybe. Um, maybe that feeling of maybe I'm not here to be number one. Um, and, and as a consequence of that, maybe he's looked around a little bit. Maybe he's had his head turned. We, we don't know. Um, but also Smith going. I think Dean Smith leaving has been, um, you know, a real blow to him. It, undoubtedly, um, Smith held him in such high regard. He played him in every game he possibly could last season. Um, and I think I think that's had a real impact because he hasn't got that, that, that bit of comfort there, perhaps, Um of, of having Smith, who was such a big supporter of him, so um, two things there, I think, which 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 have maybe chipped away at him a little bit, and he he perhaps feels more under pressure than normal to to go and get goals. Whereas last season, he played with freedom. You know, he could play his game, and 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 the team was set up to to play to him as well. So um, it, it was a bit different. Whereas now he's 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 perhaps got to make his own plough his own furrow and impress the manager, which he never had to do last season. Um, when was so. the last time? I mean, it's, it's a simple thing, but when was the last time you saw him smile on a football pitch? It's, I, I even yeah. when I noticed it on the replays from the Leeds game where Ramsey scores, he's almost annoyed that Ramsey didn't pass the ball back to him to tuck it in, which you'd expect from a striker. But last season, even when he wasn't scoring, Ollie was celebrating, smiling. And I think you touched on it there, the from the top down, they've mismanaged him over the summer until now. Like, bringing in Ings hasn't worked in any regard, and it, it's kind of ruined Ollie a bit, and that's a shame. And, it, you know, it's it's easy to forget that footballers aren't robots on a pitch who'll just go out and perform every week. It's They're, they're people, and they we don't know what's going on in his personal life, what's happening, but something's not right with him. And, and as you say, kind of rightfully so, he has got so much credit in the bank. He, we loved him last year. We we love him still. And, and it, still do. it amazes me how quickly people forget about what players have done for us. And, you know, part of being a supporter is when players aren't playing well, you get behind them just the same as when they are playing well. Otherwise, we'd all go off and support City or something. It's, uh, you know, the, the whole point is you get behind your team in, in good or in bad, and that goes for individuals too. So, if anyone's, you know, going at Ollie right now, needs to have a proper look at themselves because it's he's done wonders for this club. Yeah, absolutely. It can be frustrating when your your striker's not scoring, not in form, you know. And he's he, he, obviously last season he had he had times where he wasn't scoring as well. He's not a prolific goal scorer at this level, um, but there was always that sense that he was contributing a massive amount to the team because of his his forward play. Now that's not 
not so much the case. The ball just isn't sticking to him at all, is it? And um, he, I was, I was gutted because he was on in in the real world. He's onside. Oh yeah, he's, of course he is. Yeah. He's level. You know, there's no, there's no way, and there's no way. I, I, I still maintain. You know, I know you didn't want to talk about VAR, <laughs> but there's, there's, there's. I still maintain that you can't judge um, that that type of that that minute kind of um, call, uh, you know, from from VAR with those lines. I don't. I just don't think you can do it. I think it's impossible. Um, so I think if you can, you know, I'm still a. I'm still, <laughs> and I think it's a bit like uh, we're, we're a bit like flat earthers now. But I like the. Um, I like the, the the daylight argument, you know. I know people people get annoyed about that, but for me, or that you know, if any part of the attacking player's level is onside, you know, I, I just think that's these are this is the way we need to go because disallowing these goals for for stupid, you know, barely barely noticeable, you know, decisions is just, it's killing the game, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a rabbit hole we could tumble down, but I, I'm still yet to see what VAR has brought to the game, apart from immense frustration and debate. It was meant to get rid of debates. It was meant to get rid of those those pub conversations of whether a goal should have stood or not. And instead, we're just having them, but with even more things thrown into the mix. It's That one on the weekend was especially laughable because it looked onside from a million camera angles. Apart, You know, and it, it depends. When it's that tight, it comes down to pixels and then you start looking at what monitor have they got, where have they decided to draw the line and it's it's not football anymore when it's like that, is it? No. And the ball the ball was a good foot and a half away from Coutinho's foot when yeah. they when they drew the line. So it's kind of it's just not it, it makes no sense and uh you know, there certainly would have been if, if the goal had stood without VAR, there would have been no debate no, on match no of the one day about no, exactly. It would have been well. Yeah, he's level. Um, but you know, we're we're talking about common sense in uh, in in a world that 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 hasn't heard of the term, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was gutted for Watkins because that would have really, I think that would have really given him given him a boost, yeah. and it would have, um, you know, because one thing about him is he will fr- he fronts up. You know, he'll never stop running and chasing and. And, and, and trying and, and, and giving everything for the team. So, um, you know, and I think as long as he carries on doing that, he'll be back in form um, in no time, uh, to be honest. But, I mean, it was it was quite an alarming performance, really. Um, and now means kind of Villa are on, on, on a run of one winning seven, uh, which on the face of it is not a huge improvement on, on Dean Smith's record prior to being sacked. Um after a positive start, it's it's clear that things have plateaued considerably, and and Gerard is is struggling to get a tune out of certain players, and there are question marks at, probably over his 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 four three three formation as well. Firstly, are you are you concerned by this, and and tactically, um, what is going wrong for Gerard, and are there any obvious solutions? Like personnel or, or otherwise for you? Yeah. Well, strapping Andy, I got a long answer to this one. <laughs> Firstly, I promise not to say too much about Dino, but one win in seven is not good enough. I mean, I, I, I'm still waiting for anyone to convince me that we're better off now than we would have done if we'd have stuck with Dean Smith. I mean, the only difference is 
Gerard's got better PR and he got in Philip Coutinho, which will mask a lot of problems. But it's like putting a chandelier up in a derelict house. It's it looks pretty, but it's not fixed any of the issues we got at the club. And and that brings us to the tactics, which is what's really concerning for me. It's I mean, we all wanted a definitive style of play. It's one of the things Dino didn't have. He was a pragmatist. He played however he thought would win. And and we all kind of wanted there to be a a Villa style. And I think that's why we brought in Steven Gerrard, is he's got a definitive style of play. The problem is, it's just not working. And what worries me is it doesn't look like it's going to work either. I mean, there's a reason why top teams don't play with a Christmas tree formation. And, you know, outside of maybe AC Milan and Venables England, I can't really think of teams who've done it. And it's because it's hard to pull off. It's really hard to pull off. In in order for that system to work, every player needs to be on form on that that given day. They need to need to move in sync, move as one. It needs to be Total football almost. I get, you know, Andy and I were talking about the seaside before we came on. It needs to be like those murmurations of starlings you get above the get above the sea of an evening. It, it needs to be like that. The problem is we don't have the players that move like starlings. They move more like flamingos or dodos. They're certainly not in unison. <laughs> and and it's hard to ask players at our level to be at peak performance every weekend. You're just not going to get eleven players playing perfectly every week, and that's what this needs. And and what worries me is we've committed to this. All our eggs are in this tactical basket. This is how Steven Gerrard plays. We are selling players that don't fit this formation. I mean, Trez has gone, sadly, and I missed that last week, but but I pulled one out for (laughs) Trez while I was listening. El Ghazi's gone. Traore could do a job in this team, but we're not playing a formation that suits them. And, and we are building a squad and a club around a formation that I worry doesn't work. And and I think the big difference is that it worked in Scotland for Steven Gerrard, but a lot of things worked in Scotland for Steven Gerrard. I mean, a lot of things work in Scotland. Sean Maloney worked in Scotland. Iron Brew works in Scotland. It doesn't mean they're going to work down here. And I, I worry, you look at these games, that, that Gerrard's been tactically found out by better managers. And and this formation I do not see as being a durable week-in, week-out formation for us. And and I think that's why people are looking at individual players, because you start to think, oh, we just need a defensive midfielder and, and that will fix the problem, or we just need this, we just need that. But realistically, I, I, I'm not sure it's a personnel issue, even though there are gaps in the personnel. Like, neither Ramsey or McGinn, I think, are suited to that wide midfield role where you need, you need defenders, ideally. But... It's, it worries me because I don't see a long-term future built into this formation. I'd love to be proved wrong. and But if there isn't a long-term future in it, we're, we're putting a lot of money behind it working and a lot of, selling a lot of players who don't fit the mould and backing a manager who only wants to play in this way. And it really concerns me that it's not looking good. In fact, it's, it's looking worse and worse as every week goes by. So do you feel then that because a lot of teams play a four three three, don't they? So, so how does our how does ours differ from from other teams that 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 use that system? So traditionally, with a four three three, you 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 have the two tens wider. Even if they cut inside, they generally start wider. And the idea is that you either give, say, let's look at Liverpool when they played a four three three with Coutinho. He cut in off the left wing. It lets a full back overlap. You get width that way, and another midfielder holds the width the other side. The problem with Villa is we're trying to come inside constantly. The whole formation is set up to be narrow. So the two tens are narrow and our width comes from both fullbacks getting so high up the pitch that 
were in danger of getting caught out when out of possession. I mean, in the first half against Newcastle, the player with the most touches in the box was Matty Cash with four, which is not really what you want. But that's how Gerard plays. The, the fullbacks give us the width and everyone else comes narrow and congests the middle. But then to counter the fullbacks going high, the, the two wide midfielders need to drop into their roles to, to cover us on the counter-attack. So you end up with McGinn almost playing right back and Ramsey almost playing left back. And and everyone then is passing it infield all the time. And, and that's easy to defend against. If you know it's coming inside all the time, you pack the middle of the pitch and you press people in the middle. And, and that's what Newcastle did against us. They knew we weren't going to get it wide and and they just packed the middle, pressed the defensive midfielder or the centre-backs on the ball and, and caught us out time and time again. And it works if you're brave on the ball, if you can split the lines from defence and midfield. But we don't have the players who do that. And I think we succeeded a bit more in the second half because we got it wider. I mean, the fullbacks started to be more effective. But it, it, when it works, it works. But the problem is it's too unique and too easy to defend against. I think you get more variety from a wide 4-3-3. I mean, look at Pep at the weekend too. He keeps his wingers so wide and lets the midfielders break beyond them. And and that's where their width comes from. And I just don't see width in this team. I see it being quite one-dimensional. And that's genuinely worrying because it makes it easy to defend against. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is... It does. It doesn't look right, does it? It doesn't. It doesn't feel like. I mean, I, I was always um, quite keen for Villa to try and play, certainly with a narrower fr- front three. Um, you know, because I felt like a lot of the time we were too we were too wide. You know, too wide, and then you've only got perhaps one one focal point in the middle. And when you watch Liverpool play, for example. They do play with a narrow front three, and they're all capable of scoring goals, and it's it it feels more dangerous. But of course, Liverpool have that block behind them, don't they? That block of midfielders behind them, and obviously, two of the, two of the best attacking fullbacks in the game. So, um, it's everything is easy with better players, isn't it? I suppose, but yeah, you know, you, you kind of think there's got to be some, you know something that can make can make this work and maybe it is I mean for example you know we were talking the other week about the difference since since Nakamba got injured you know and and certainly I think then we were playing obviously with 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 Nakamba then McGinn and and Doug, Douglas Louise and Douglas Louise looked quite comfortable in that in that wide area didn't he and and, and covering the fullback he did he did I thought he looked he looked good in that role, and and then he could get involved higher up the pitch as well, which he likes to do. Um, so maybe it is a case of that. I was very sort of keen that we we didn't worry too much about the lack of a sort of um, a shielder, if you like, in 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 the midfield. I felt that Dougie could probably do that job fine till the end of the season. Um. I'm revising that opinion really as as much as I I think he's a he's a wonderful and I think he's a very good six but I think he's more of a pivot than a than a than a blocker isn't he a shielder so um I think I think that's that's the issue that's part of the issue there you know it 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 doesn't seem to work he's he's that position seems to be quite vital as well we're hanging him out to dry by playing him there too and and he's not going to enjoy it and you were right with your liverpool comparison they play play a lot 
a lot narrower, but they still have defined positions. And it seems like our, our tactic is for players to leave their defined positions. But <laughs> I mean, the other big difference with Liverpool is it came good when they brought Van Dijk and, and we don't have Van Dijk. We, we can't, as you say, we don't have the, the players. It's, it's like we're, we're trying to cook a fine dining meal with Tesco value beans at the moment. It's just not, it's not happening for us. And, and that's got to come down to the manager. Fair enough. You're trying to play a certain way, but at some point you've got to look at the players available to you and, and play to their strengths, not kind of leave them out there. And it's what worries me about Dougie is, does he enjoy being left in that defensive midfield role to, to make, made to look like a bit of a chump in there and it wouldn't surprise me to see him leave in the summer because he's he's not had a fun season with us and obviously his contract's right winding down so yeah i'd be very surprised if he's here much longer than the uh than the summer to be honest um and i think villa will obviously be looking to to sign new players in the midfield because it's 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 just not functioning it and it really hasn't all Season the only time it felt like I say it felt like it was functioning was when the Camber was there and sort of holding it holding it together really and, and and shielding the back four which I think again that enables the fullbacks to to you know to leave their duties somewhat doesn't it because you have got someone there to to guard the transition but I, I you know I'm 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 speculating really and and uh, and I think ultimately it will come down to the summer and. Uh, there'll be um, some big changes because I think they will be targeting players specifically to play this system. And in many ways, you know, I want a manager to to have the, the, the conviction of what they how they want to play the game as well and live or die by it. You know, Dean Smith was very good at changing, but... I do agree with you there, but it has to be the right system. It's it's different if you're back in a Klopp or or someone like that. The problem is I I just haven't seen enough proof from from Gerard as to whether this is the system. It's not even the system he favoured for his whole time at Rangers, and and that's the worry with with. I agree with you. I like I like the idea of us having a dogmatic approach where this is how we play. We buy the players to fit this system, but. It's got to be the right system. And, and I think, ironically, at the moment, we've got great players to play a 4-2-3-1 that Dino played. I mean, imagine Bailey on the left and Buendia on the right and Coutinho in behind a striker. It, it suddenly looks a lot more balanced and a lot better. And, and it's just frustrating where you feel like you maybe have a solution there to pick up points. But as you say, I mean, I want to see us build to a future where we have a set style of play too. It's just got to be the right style of play. Otherwise... We could go a long way down a road, and and it, and it could be a hell of a long way back if it doesn't work. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. But um, we'll move on to something again, quite depressing. Uh, Cheering pop this week, Andy. It's not great, <laughs> is it? I think we're doing our best, but um, it seems a shame to say again, but inevitably, the ugly face of of, of the Villa fan base has showed up again after. Um, after the game, um, as, as as Ollie Watkins again was was targeted with abuse on on his social media this week, um, he did respond to the, the 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 troll who who felt emboldened to send him an abusive message, um, which is of course something um, which seems commonplace uh, for anyone really in the public eye these days, and, and footballers uh, are obviously amongst them. Um, Clearly, many players use social media just just as much for their outside business interests as their fan engagement. So, you know, they do benefit from having those accounts open. 
Um, but the idea of, of sending personal abuse to a footballer from your own club as well just seems absurd to me, really. Um, I know you've worked a little bit in football, social more quite a lot in football social media before. Um, so do you have any insights on this? And and is there anything the clubs can do to protect the players? Because certainly the platforms aren't, aren't, aren't standing up, are they? Yeah, I mean social media is is pretty vile it's it's kind of i mean it, it's like everything in life it's got its good points it brings people together it's it's why i'm chatting to you on this pod and and why people follow us and and it, it can do some good things but if you're a person in the spotlight it's absolutely vile the the stuff we saw from watkins this week is just the tip of the iceberg i bet of what he receives every week and that's awful like no one should be subjected to that and and yet they are on a constant basis and and some players are, are exposed to even more and and even people who aren't professional footballers are exposed to it and you know i mean i'm a third rate writer i've been exposed to social media hate i had death threats online because i wrote something someone didn't like and and that's what always blows my mind this this watkins example in particular is he plays for our club. We support this club. He scored. He was our top scorer last season. We all loved him. He was one of the best players in the league. And you're now going after him in his comments when when he's having a hard time. I don't know why anyone thinks that's going to help him along and, and make him go out next week and be like, sure, I'm going to go score some goals next week. Now, Joe Bloggs has slid into my DMs and, and poured a load of hate at me. And it just baffles. It seems to bring out the very best and the very worst of human behaviour. But... You alluded to it there and we talked about it earlier. I think you've got to really ask yourself if you're a Villa fan, if you're going after your own players, because, I mean, why are you doing it? Why are you going after anyone on social media, but particularly your own players? It just feels utterly bizarre to me. And yeah, fair play for Ollie Watkins for sharing it, because as I say, that must be the tip of the iceberg. But it's, you know... If you're ever that angry, say it to a mate, yell it at the TV. It's not something you need to send to another person. They don't need to read it. But, I mean, you say, is there anything clubs can do to protect their players? The short answer is no. I mean, the only way to protect them is to take them off social media. But, as you say, it's too valuable for for their commercial deals. But also for us as fans, we like the access that you get. You get to know players in a way that you wouldn't do previously. And... I just think it's here to stay and, until there's a culture change amongst people where it it becomes the same as drink driving going from the 80s to today, whereas it used to be acceptable, or not acceptable, but it was slightly more acceptable to now it's horrifying. Hopefully that's the way social media abuse will go too. And sadly, I think it's something we're seeing throughout the game at the moment, not just on social media. We're seeing it at matches themselves with increasing fan trouble, pitch invasions, crazy use of class A's at football grounds. It's it just seems like football's gone a little bit mad at the moment and and this is just a side effect of that. But but yeah, I mean I don't think the fan who who wrote that to Ollie Watkins listens to this pod, but if he does stop listening to the pod, I don't want you to listen to it anymore. And and if any fan ever thinks about doing that to a Villa player, start to question why you're supporting football in the first place, because the point is we get behind these players, not get on their backs. Yeah, it does. It feels like that. And I mean, players, footballers have always had a bit of a hard time off their, off their fans, mostly during games, I suppose. Um, I doubt many, many, Players would, you know, back in the seventies and eighties would have would have put up with the level of abuse. Um, I can't imagine anyone going up to Graham Soonis in the pub and uh, questioning <laughs> his, his his effort or his integrity. Um, I think there would have been a that that conversation would have uh, been ended abruptly. Um, 
But it, it's one of those where I think the issues in football seem, do seem to reflect society. And, and clearly, um, there's been lots, obviously, lots, lots and lots going on, um, negative stuff going on. You know, we have, you know, some would say a government that 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 sort of lead by their example and people follow that and it's obviously not a good example and there's um you know i i i sort of liken it to the 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 70s and 80s when we were in a you know similar situation with a, a very very bleak sort of financial um you know economic situation in the in the country and and that spilled over into into pastimes like football and it was it sort of went hand in hand almost. It sort of suited um, the, the situation and it, it was obviously awful, horrible. Um, I hope we're not going back there now. It feels a little bit more subtle at the moment. It's not pitch invasions and hooliganism and fighting, but it is, you know, like like we say, this kind of almost behind the curtain stuff um, on social media, but also, yeah, th- throwing stuff on the pitch, throwing stuff at players, um, you know, certain attitudes, you know, in 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 the stand, like you say, the the, the increased use of use of cocaine and, and and things like that, and you know, it was it was kind of illustrated perfectly in the summer, wasn't it, with the at the at the Euros final, um, yeah, you know, which which was an absolute disaster, an absolute disaster, and it feels like that's been brushed under the carpet as well, but. You know, yeah, I, I I echo everything you say. I, think, I just think if you're if 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 you're abusing Aston Villa players, you're not an Aston Villa fan. And it, he might, whoever's doing it, might not be Aston Villa fans. They might be doing yeah, it specifically. You know, um, it might be what they think is a tactic. But um, it's just it's just horrible. I think any anything online, if if you if you feel the need to speak to anyone like that online, you know, you you're you're a scumbag. Basically, go and uh, go and have a word with yourself, and you know, or uh, you know, have the bravery to to say it to someone's face at least, you know. But um, and you're making a choice, right? You have to. Ch- you don't have to hate people online. You do- I mean, no, we're go- we're veering off topic here dangerously, <laughs> but it's you know, you make a choice. You make a choice to say something nice or to say something nasty. You make a choice to help someone or to not help them. And I think you're right. That's where it reflects society and. And also, I suppose the modern game—not to not to sound like too much of an old man—but the gulf between fans and players has never been wider. And so, when fans feel like they're not getting their money's worth, it, they've almost feel like they've got the right to go after the players. But it's not players' faults that they're millionaires from a young age. It's it's not players' faults that that they've got everything that we don't and wish we had. I mean. Every fan thinks that they'd like to do a better job if they're in the player's position. But, you know, I'm not scoring as many goals as Ollie Watkins. There's a reason why that young man has achieved more in 26 years than I have in 40. And because he's, he's better at it than me. And it's, you know, I think fans just need to have a look at themselves. But as you say, it's it's a wider societal problem, sadly. It, it just, it's a shame when it slips into Villa where we like to think we're better. And sadly, we're not. Yeah, I think I think that's it. And, you know, I was I was... Kind of thinking earlier, you know, it, it does you know to bring it back to Villa matters. It is a, a situation where players players don't have to put up with it. You know, they don't have to. Yeah. And you know, uh, you know, you think about someone like Tyron Mings, who we've we've supported, you know, 
staunchly on this podcast and will continue to do so. But he might just think, you know what, I'll I'll go somewhere where I'm appreciated and we'll we'll lose, you know, someone who's potentially going to be a great captain for the club. Um, and already has been, you know, I think he leads he leads the club with he he I've said before he embodies everything that I want Aston Villa to stand for and um you know I think he's a wonderful captain makes the odd mistake don't we all you know that that's fine and you know generally I I, I always say that the, the good that he does um back there for 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 the team is far far outweighs the the you know the occasional slip um uh, but you know, we'll, we'll get we. You know, we can go on and on about agendas and 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 and, and why people um, pick Tyra Mings out. But at the end of the day, he might say, "Well, do you know what? You know, this other team want me. You know, they're prepared to pay for me. Their fans might be more welcoming and more supportive, and um, I'll go and play for them. And you know, Villa are the losers then in that in that regard because because we." You know, we talk about the Villa family and everything like that, but in reality, it's um, it's far from that. And uh, I think people need to have a look. By and large, you know, I think people support the players, and 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 you know, um, generally speaking, I think this season because it has been an up and down season, but I think fans have just been happy to be to be back at games and and, and able to go in there in their thousands and. And, and create a good atmosphere and um you know but it's just the the odd idiot isn't it that's 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 kind of spoiling it really and that's the thing to remember i mean and i had i had experience of this I, I went to the first game in in a long time the other day sat in a section of the hole i'd never sat in and everyone was supportive of the players there were jokes when obviously if when tyrone made a mistake or took a touch too many but there wasn't it wasn't any anger, wasn't any hatred. It was just overwhelming support. And I mean, you know this more than me. The people that go to games are generally the people who understand what's going on. Generally, have a good barometer of who's playing well, who's not, who's putting the effort in, who's not. And it's it's all too easy to be an armchair fan these days, as I've, I've learned over the last ten years. But it's only when you go to the games that you, you, you get a real sense of what the fan base is looking at. But but social media warps things, as we know. So. Yeah, sure, sure it does. Um, but we'll get back onto back back onto the actual football and and, and Villa <laughs> for a football podcast. <laughs> and Villa will play host this Saturday to um, to Roy Hodgson's Watford, who are themselves you know fighting for their lives at the at the bottom of the table. Um, they are of course on their third manager of the season, despite that excellent early start to the season when they they beat Villa at Vicarage Road on the opening day three two. Um, they certainly have everything to play for, um, but Gerard will be earmarking this this game as a, as a, a real possible three points uh, to try and turn this poor run of form around. Gerard himself has said that we should expect changes for this one, um, which should be um, really the the least you'd expect after such a poor display. Leon Bailey, who came on the other day, is back in contention, and there will be questions over who starts up front between um, Watkins and Ings. Concert remains suspended, so Chambers will likely continue alongside Tyrone Mings with Tim, Tim Arugbanum, um apparently pushing for that start at the base of the, the midfield. Some big calls for Gerard here, but but what would you go with um, for this one? Um, and is this one of those dangerous banana skin type matches that we have? We had the right colour for it, didn't it? Banana skin match with Watford. <laughs> yeah, but um, 
I, I mean, we've got to see changes after that performance. If we're not seeing changes, something's drastically wrong. Um, I'd actually, as we discussed on the podcast when he joined, I'd push Chambers into that defensive midfield role and, and put Hawes in at the back. I just think we need more presence in there than Dougie's given us. And, and whether it's Chambers or, or Tim, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his surname so I haven't practiced it, but whoever it is, we need a, a more defensive player in there. I'd also take McGinn out. I just think he's he's not been right this season and Samson deserves more of a run than he's had. And and I also think the two ten needs tens need a look. I, I think Buendia and, and Coutinho can play together, but we clearly need something else in there. And and we've got players in Traore and Bailey who can who can add a different dimension to this team and create a different kind of threat. I mean when you've got two tens, you know they're both going to drop off. But you, you throw a Traore or a Bailey in there, you know they can run beyond the striker occasionally and create a goal-scoring opportunity. And and yeah, probably time to take Watkins out the firing line. We know Ings played well in that that game against Brentford when he came in, and I think maybe he deserves a shot there too. So I'd, I'd like to see changes throughout the team, but. As far as a banana skin goes, Watford are a good team, but I think we're catching them at a good time. I, I caught their highlights at the weekend. They do not look good. And, and much as I love Roy Hodgson, this is maybe a bridge too far for him. It's They don't look like they got the players. And if you can nullify the threat of, threat of Dennis and King, I think you're on to a winner against them. So I think this match comes at a good time for Gerard and Villa. I think we, we should be able to turn them over. And, and if we're not, then then alarm bells are really ringing. But um, I'd like to see us win this one. But, you you know, it's a Premier League match. You've got to be careful. There's no no easy wins here. But, yeah, changes are bound for me. I don't mind who they are, who we bring in. Get Gary from the pub in the team. I don't care who it is. Just put a different player in there. Show me something different. Yeah, I wonder, um, you know, I mentioned Matty Cash earlier as well. And he, he certainly looks... Um, like he struggles a bit at times with the um, the responsibility down that that right hand side, um, maybe a little bit with you know he, he does seem to slow up a little bit at times if he's if he has sort of bombed up and down and that's kind of understandable. Um, just wonder whether whether you know I'm not sure who would play instead of him possibly Ashley Young, um, but uh, you know that's that's a possible change. Yeah, I, t- I tend to agree. I think we need to try and and get a proper defensive midfielder in there somehow, whether it's Irogbenum or or um or Chambers really. So um but then obviously if you if you if you if you play Chambers and bring Hawes in, you've got no no defensive central defensive cover then on the on the bench. But I think that's that's just the nature of the, the position we're in, isn't it? And um Conza will be back um for the next game anyway. So um um, I'm, I'm not sure. It feels like that midfield needs needs toughening up a bit, like strengthening a, a, a little bit, like you say. Dropping McGinn is always a big call. Um, whether whether uh, Gerard has got the uh, um, the will to do that, I don't know. Really, um, you know, and uh, you never know with John McGinn because he can have an absolute blinder, can't he? And uh, and and run the game. So. Um, it's a tough one. I agree with Ings as well. I'd, I'd, I'd certainly bring Ings in. I'd perhaps play um, play with Coutinho um, and Bailey alongside. Um, you know, let, give 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 Buendia a rest, and then um, midfield three. Say, yeah, Chambers, 
I'd keep McGinn in and 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 Dougie Dougie Louise and 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 firm it up a little bit. I think. How would you yeah. feel about because I, I caught last week's pod with with you and Craig rightly waxing lyrical about Jacob Ramsey, and I still think his best position for us is in one of those two ten roles because he's he obviously wants to get forwards, he wants to score goals, but I just don't think we can have that in that free at the moment. And I think maybe you're right to say we need to shore up that free, but. But maybe instead of Bailey, we push Ramsey further forwards. He's, he's certainly got the technical attributes for it. Yeah, it's, it feels a little bit similar to, to, to Grealish, doesn't it? When he was playing mm. initially, obviously in the championship, he played as an eight and then continued that when we got promoted. But quickly, we quickly found we were getting overrun um, with him and McGinn playing in that role. Um so he 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 moved into the front three then onto the left hand side where obviously he was he was brilliant again you know so um, it feels a little bit like that with Ramsey and I wonder whether against Watford maybe you can get away with it maybe um, and he is he can be a bit of a creative spark in the midfield if he's got two players alongside him to to kind of get through the workload um, but certainly against against um, better, more organised opposition. Maybe it is a case that he's a bit of a luxury to have in there. Um, and he, if you're going to pick him, he plays in the front three. Um, you know, yeah, I, 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 tend to, I tend to agree. And certainly seeing how the game went on Sunday, you know, I was a bit surprised, you know, how, how difficult he found it, really. It was, it was, it was a really... It was a bit of an eye opener, I think, um, and maybe, yeah, you, you, you're possibly right, you know. And it's it's sometimes it's good to change change things up, isn't it, and give the, give the opposition something else to think about. So um, maybe maybe that's right. Instead of Bailey, perhaps he he moves into the front three, um, and then you can bring in uh, you know a, a proper six and 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 leave McGinn and Dougie in the midfield. So um, yeah. Food for thought, isn't it? And uh, you know, obviously, it'd be interested to know what to know what happens this 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 uh, Saturday. But I'll be there. So um, thanks, thanks, Dan, for for joining me uh, today. It's been it's been great. It's good. Well, I think we've. I'd say it's good to be here. It, it's better to be here after a win. But it's always fun to when it's a, a defeat this bad. It's kind of fun to pick the bones out of it too. Yeah, I, I still find it therapeutic. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm feeling better already. Hopefully, the listener is too. So you know, a little bit of group therapy here. Yeah, I hope I hope uh, that's the case. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. Um, obviously, if you uh, if you we, we we're still sponsored by Manscaped. If you want to go to your to uh, manscaped.com for twenty percent off and free shipping with the code lamp, uh, then please do. Um, also head over to underagaslitlamp.com um, for all the latest articles and give us a follow on on social media. We're on all the all the platforms. Other than that, if you're going to the match, um, make a lot of noise, a lot of positive noise, um, and let's hope we get the three points. And we'll be back next week to uh, to review that. Okay, take care, stay safe, and up the villa. <laughs>